Liz Merrill, thanks for coming back to ESPN Daily. Yeah, it's good to be here. So the story we're here to talk about is a story that is hard on, on every level, Liz. It's a story that I haven't been able to get out of my head since it broke. So where do you want to start? Well, let's start on November 2nd, 2021. It's the middle of the NFL season and people, depending on which coast you lived on, we're waking up to the shocking news that Henry Ruggs, a second-year receiver, had been behind the wheel of a fatal crash in Las Vegas that killed 23-year-old Tina Tinter. It's a tragic situation here, an accident at 3.39 a.m. this morning. Police say Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs rear-ended another driver, causing their car to burst into flames. Everybody was completely shocked by the nature of the crash. Prosecutors said he was traveling 156 miles per hour. You can see right here the mangled mess that's been left behind. A 23-year-old woman and her dog were killed. There were signs of impairment, and Henry Ruggs III, the Raiders' wide receiver, has been charged with DUI, resulting in death. The thing that struck us was that these two drivers were the same age, and they were both going home at the same time. But they were very different people. It always feels as if in a situation like this, the biggest questions that people are going to ask, especially in our world, are, well, is his career done? Mm. Um, is he ever going to play again? People don't normally think about the other side of that. The only reason anyone knows Tina Tinter's name, if they even remember it, is because she was killed in a crash involving an NFL player. We wanted to find out who Tina Tinter was beyond the headlines. We also were trying to figure out how does something like this happen? When Henry Ruggs's NFL career, where he is, who he is, his life and his entire trajectory was forged by another fatal car crash that happened five years earlier. Two years ago, the Las Vegas Raiders made Henry Ruggs out of Alabama, the first wide receiver taken at the NFL draft. Less than two seasons later, last November, Ruggs was behind the wheel in a fatal car crash that took the lives of Tina Tinter and her golden retriever named Max. So today, Liz Merrill investigates a story that left behind so many questions many of which could not be answered until now. I'm Pablo Torre. It is Tuesday, July 19th. This is ESPN Daily. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. 
Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So, Liz, I want to start just by laying out the facts as simply as we can here at the top. What do we know about what actually transpired on South Rainbow Boulevard in Las Vegas this past November? So everything I'm going to describe is from the police report and also some video that TMZ obtained. It was about 3.39 in the morning on November 2nd. Tina Tinter is driving home. She was three stoplights away from getting home. Tina is driving a 2013 RAV4. Henry Ruggs is driving a camouflage-colored Corvette Stingray. According to the video, it looks like she's puttering along, and then the Stingray appears like a missile. Henry Ruggs is going 156 miles an hour. His girlfriend, Kiara Janae Kilgo Washington, was in the car with him. Ruggs sees the RAV4, hits the brakes, and he contacts the back of the RAV4 at 127 miles an hour. The car is propelled 571 feet. It's almost two football fields how far that car was propelled. The RAV4 catches fire. Tina and her golden retriever named Max are trapped inside the vehicle. The Clark County coroner would rule a month later that Tinter and her dog burned to death in the crash. I talked to the Clark County district attorney who told me that He's been in the justice system for 40 years as a defense lawyer and a young prosecutor, and that he'd never been aware of a criminal case in which somebody was driving 156 miles an hour. Um, As someone who is in Clark County, which is Las Vegas' county, he's obviously seen a lot of stuff. Right. A lot goes on in Las Vegas, and he said he'd never seen anyone reaching that speed in a case. And so this unprecedented speed of 156 miles an hour, Liz, it raises the obvious question of sobriety at the time of the crash. What did investigators uncover about Henry Ruggs and his fitness to drive at 3.30 a.m.? Ruggs' lawyers will say that any behavior exhibited could be attributed to head trauma. It does say in the police report that no head trauma was evident, but they do not do a field sobriety test there. I'm not sure if it's because he's injured or because he refused. It's kind of a chaotic scene. But he goes to the hospital. Police obtain a warrant uh, after 5 a.m. to draw blood. They, they reach out to a judge and they are granted permission to draw blood for a alcohol test. And that's when he registers 0.161, which is more than twice the legal limit in Nevada. Mm. And that was measured two hours after the crash. 
With all this in mind, Henry Ruggs is charged with multiple felonies, including driving under the influence resulting in death and reckless driving. He posted $150,000 bond a day later. And so he's been on house arrest for the last seven, eight months. Mm. And, and meanwhile, Liz, as this case is winding through the courts, Tina Tenter's family, they are presumably sitting and waiting for whatever justice is winding its way through that system. But when you talk to Tina's family, to her friends, what did they want to tell you about who she was? She was like a lot of people who are 23 years old, uh, trying to figure out what she wanted to do and what her place was in this world. She graduated from Durango High School in Las Vegas in 2016, worked at a Target, actually helped her family uh, with a lot of different things. They came here from Croatia when Tina was a toddler back in like 2000. She was also a normal a normal young person. I mean, she liked to hang out with her friends. Uh, she liked to hang out in the parking lot at, at Target after work and bitch about customers who were mean to her. <laughs> As a former retail employee in college, I can vouch for that. It's yes. never easy when people are always on your case and you're making minimum wage. But like she, but she had dreams. I mean, just like anyone else who's young, she had dreams. She wanted to work with computers. She wanted to go to UNLV. She lived with her family because she served her family. I was talking to one of her friends who worked with her at Target, and he said she was kind of a tomboy, but she was really brave. She knew who she was, and she wasn't afraid to be herself. And that's pretty hard to, to be that way when you're 23 years old. I know I wasn't that way, but like she seemed like she had a strength and a confidence in herself, and she could be blunt with people. And she knew how to be honest without hurting someone. And so on that night in question, what was Tina up to? What was she doing at 3.30 a.m.? Tina loved her Golden Retriever, Max. She loved animals. She was out walking Max that night. She had just had a long string where she was working six days in a row and wanted to hang out with her dog and her friend. And they took a walk and they talked, and um, she was going home from that. She was going home from walking her dog. She had texted her mom around 1 a.m. to let her know that she was gonna be home late. But then hours later, she's not home, and so her mom is trying to call her, but the phone keeps flipping over to voicemail. Her uncle. Paige Komazak, he works the overnight shift. That morning, it was after four, he's driving home from his shift. He sees the road blocked off to his right. He sees police tape. He sees uh, a crumpled up Corvette on the curb and sort of splayed out in the middle of that, of that road uh, a little bit away is this car that's indistinguishable. The fire's already out by then when he sees it. To himself, he thinks somebody got killed when he sees that husk of a burned-out vehicle in the middle of the road. But he doesn't think much else about that crash after that. 
And at 7 a.m., he gets a knock on his door, and it's his sister. And she says, my Tina, she never came home last night. Right away, sort of the alarm bells go off in his head because he's thinking about that crash and knowing, hey, that's not that far from where they live. Paja gets up and he says, well, let's just go down to this where I saw this crash and kind of see, you know, if we can learn anything just to sort of rule that out. And, you know, police are on the scene. They can't tell her anything. So they start calling the hospitals and they, they get a hold of this one hospital who somebody who answers the phone says, yes, we have her in our system. She's here. And so, you know, they rush out to the hospital with hope, thinking she's alive. And they get there and the hospital tells them, hey, this was a clerical error, that she was here a couple of years ago and, and that popped up in the files. She's not here. Imagine sort of the dejection and the heartbreak. Eventually the family starts seeing news reports about that crash and that crash scene that they had visited earlier that morning. News starts to trickle out, it's a RAV4. Obviously, when Tina's family finds out that, they're very concerned and, and thinking the worst because she drove a RAV4. Sometime early afternoon, they get a knock on the door. You know, they see a squad car out front, a police car out front. And they, they learn the news that, that Tina Tinter is dead. After the break, we learn about the other car crash years earlier that reshaped the life of Henry Ruggs. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shopping for Father's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Father's Day. Whether you're shopping for your brother's first Father's Day or your Renaissance man grandpa, whose interests, of course, are all over the map, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and over. You can also sort by category, like cologne, watches, and more, or gift lists for items like, I don't know, your grill master or golfer in your life. You can also get top tech, 
from Beats headphones to JBL portable speakers. Or if you're looking for top brands, you'll find gifts from Calvin Klein, Polo Ralph Lauren, and Columbia. So what are you waiting for? Father's Day is June 16th and we'll be here before you know it. Macy's offers the ultimate gift guide to making selecting something special for dad incredibly easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. So Liz, at the top of the show, you mentioned that there was this other wrinkle to this entire story, this other wrinkle from Henry Ruggs's past that's tied to his home state in Alabama. And it's something that makes this whole thing that much more complicated and that much more unfathomable, honestly. So tell us what you learned about that. In the spring of 2016, when Ruggs was a junior in high school, his best friend Rod Scott died in a car crash. There were five teenagers in the car. They'd been driving up Interstate 65 with friends on their way to watch some of their friends compete in the state basketball finals. It was raining that morning. I spoke with one of the occupants in the car. He said that the driver of the Toyota they were riding in was speeding and distracted by her phone. At some point, he remembers both he and Rod Scott telling the driver to slow down. The Alabama law enforcement agency sent us like a paragraph uh, describing the accident. The car hydroplaned, left the roadway and overturned. All three rear seat passengers of the Toyota didn't have seatbelts on and they were all ejected. Rod Scott, who was sitting in the middle of the back seat, died from his injuries the next day. And so what kind of an impact did this have on Henry Ruggs? Who was Rod Scott to him? Why was their relationship so meaningful? Henry had known Rod Scott since they were kids. We were like twins. That's all I can say. Like we were the same person. People who knew Henry Ruggs back then would say that his first dream was to be an NBA player. But the problem was he obviously did not have the prototypical NBA player body. Henry Ruggs did a big interview with College Game Day where he sort of outlined a lot of this. He, he talked to about how before his junior year, Henry Ruggs really didn't have much of a desire to pick up a football. And it was Rod in his ear who kept driving it into Henry's head that his future was in football, not basketball. He kept telling him, you know, you're going to be a five-star football player. And once I started to play, he was just like, bruh, you better than all them out there. He wouldn't be playing football right now if it weren't for Rod Scott. And so Henry decides, he finally relents and says, okay, I'll play football. By his second game, he was offered his first college scholarship by Kentucky. And it just took off from there. Mm. And the other thing was, on the morning of the crash, Henry Ruggs was supposed to be the person behind the wheel 
and driving them to Birmingham. He became sick like overnight and woke up and felt horrible and thinks he had the flu. But at some point during that time, he told Rod, yeah, I'm not going to be able to go. I probably would have ended up driving because he always let me drive, but I ended up sick, so I didn't, I didn't plan on moving. He sort of had to live with that after that. Like, he carried a lot of guilt that he didn't drive him that day, you know, and was left to wonder if things would be different had he not gotten sick. I mean, he kept second-guessing that. You know, he said in that TV piece, I felt like I was supposed to be there. I don't even know how to feel about it. Was it a good thing for me that, that I wasn't there, or was it just meant to be that way? And he said, you know, that he tried not to put it on himself so much, but he definitely carried some guilt about that. So that guilt, Liz, is the backdrop, the larger context for what happened at 3.30 a.m. in Vegas last November. But what do we know now about what Henry Ruggs had been doing right before he got behind the wheel of his car that night and took it to 156 miles an hour? The Raiders had just come off a bye week. They met Monday. We're going to have... Tuesday off. And interim coach Rich Bisaccia says kind of one thing he wants to drive home. He says, stay out of trouble. There'd been a DUI just right before that in the league, and this was apparently a nod to that. What we know from the police report is that Henry Ruggs went to Top Golf. That night, and that Top Golf there, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with Top Golf. It's like an adult playground with like yeah, it's like a driving range with drinks and targets. Yeah. and this one is overlooking the strip, so it's yeah, a place to go hang out with your friends. It's picturesque, and in this Facebook video, you can see Henry swinging the golf club. He's with his girlfriend and an unidentified guy friend. Just looks like an average night where people are having fun. That's how you need. That's how you need. It's kind of haunting also to see that video, knowing in, in a few hours everything is going to change, not only for him, but for an entire family. There is this gap of time between when Top Golf closed and when the crash occurred. In the police report, it says that they went to a friend's house. That's unspecified where they went, though. And then, you know, he's headed home as he's on that street. And then from there, Liz, we do have this gap in time, right? Between what happened at Top Golf and what happened at the scene of the crash. But then the moments right after the crash, you and our colleague Anthony Oliveri were able to piece that together by interviewing bystanders and also by examining video from TMZ. So can you paint that picture for us? What does the post-crash scene look like and sound like? There's a video that TMZ Sports released right after the crash. And all these months later when you watch that video, it's still completely gutting to witness. The TMZ video shows the Corvette on the side of the road, partially on the sidewalk. But in the backdrop, you can see this vehicle burning and you can hear there's somebody off camera who's, you know, 
telling police that there's someone still in the car that's on fire. Yes. Yeah, there's somebody in the car. They're getting, they're coming, they're coming right now. Tina Tinter is in that vehicle, as well as her golden retriever, Max. According to the police report, there are two men, a security guard and a passerby, who tried to save Tinter. They both made statements to police that, you know, she was pinned inside and that the smoke and the heat from the fire caused both of the men to back away. We don't know exactly the extent of Henry Ruggs's injuries or Kilgo Washington's injuries in the crash, but they are both on the ground, seated, facing each other. And at one point she says, you know, he's unconscious. He is not unconscious! Hey, look at me! Look at my teeth, okay? Look at my teeth, okay? She is sort of giving the impression that, you know, he has a head injury. And she's repeatedly pleading for help. They're coming, they're coming, they're coming. So Liz, this is where I, I do want to have a step back for a second and zoom out and just acknowledge that Henry Ruggs had his life changed by two separate fatal car crashes, one involving his best friend, Rod Scott, the guy responsible for so much of the good in his life. And now with this crash that he was behind the wheel for, allegedly intoxicated at speeds that are unprecedented, according to the DA that you talked to, how do you even begin to make sense of how that guy can be on both sides of tragedies like this? Yeah, that's a good question. Obviously, we tried to talk to Henry Ruggs. Um, his lawyer, David Chesnoff, um, said that he won't be doing interviews while the case is ongoing. But really, for the people who actually did speak for the story, I mean, there really aren't any answers. I don't think any of us can even begin to assume or suggest anything. And you know, I guess at some point, that's his story to tell. Yeah, Liz, you know, we're talking at a point where the NFL has developed some sort of protocols, it sounds like, around prevention of crimes of this genre, right? Like going back to, I mean, I remember Leonard Little, you know, in 98, killing a motorist while driving drunk. There's a list of incidents, players who have been responsible for fatal accidents while driving under the influence. The Ruggs case, though, happens to be the first incident in about a decade so what is the NFL's perspective around how they deal with tragedies like this? A representative from the NFLPA said that the use of ride-sharing apps is promoted every year in the team meetings that they have. In 2010, the union began offering a driver service. The on-demand portion of that service was discontinued in 2019, though, after Uber and Lyft became popular. But players can still secure a card service through the NFLPA. They have to give a little bit of advance notice. And all they have to do is call an 800 number that's on the back of their NFLPA membership card. I want to return here to Tina and, and, and the motive that you had for looking deeper into her story and explaining who she was. How did her family 
go about mourning her loss? They did it very privately. Her funeral was in a tiny church full of friends and family. It was off limits to the media, no cameras. They declined to do interviews. So Peja, you know, I met him like in April and, you know, he's someone who is kind of worried about how the whole legal process is going to play out. And so at some point, I think he decided to sort of be a voice in this. Over the winter, he commissioned an artist to paint a mural near the crash site. If there's a worry about anybody forgetting Tina and at least Las Vegas, there's that mural to remind them. It's colorful and and bright. And Peja, every day after he gets off of work, stops by that mural and that memorial site and makes sure that everything is intact the candles and, and the flowers and all the different things that people left. Um, there's been some problems with that. People have kind of trashed the place a couple of times, but mm. it sort of makes him feel better when he can check on that. It's, it's kind of like something he can control. Late April, Peja and I walked that crash scene. He sort of walked me to where everything happened. And, you know, it's dark out and sun's like a little ways from coming up. But, you know, you just can sort of try to think in your mind everything that happened that day. But yeah, the scorch marks are still visible when I was there in April, six months after that crash. So I know that Tina's mom and her dad have not done any interviews, Liz, since the accident. They have decided to mourn their daughter in private. But how has Tina's greater Las Vegas community taken up her memory in public? That's one thing that was really palpable, just being in Las Vegas. People were deeply affected by this. After Tina was buried, these two women, one of them's a dog trainer, decided to organize this pack walk where people could come and bring their dogs. They had hoped that, you know, maybe the family would see that and know that, that people supported them. It was amazing seeing just dozens of these dogs, a lot of them golden retrievers, walking through this town shopping place. And according to this woman, a little while after that, she just happened to be at a grocery store and she saw a woman who came up to her and sure enough, it was Tina's mom. And she was still wearing black. She hugged her and she said, I had no idea that like all those people would show up for Tina. It's one of those things where you, you have no idea like how that just devastates a family unless you're in those shoes. I do know that Paige told me that Tina's mom ordered a giant photo of Tina shortly after her death. And um, the family, when they hung it on the wall, their Siberian husky cried and barked for days. Paige said that the dog didn't even eat during that time for like four or five days straight. And Peja sort of thought that it was because the dog realized that Tina wasn't coming home. So a few months ago, Tita's family, who loves dogs and also deeply misses their daughter and sister, decided to adopt another dog. 
they adopted a golden retriever. When, you know, they were thinking about a name, there was very little hesitation. They named the dog Max. Liz Merrill, thank you for reporting this story. Thanks for having me. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.